March into spring with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered 500 megabits internet for $39.99 per month, plus a $100 gift card and price lock guarantee. This deal gets even better with a free modem, free installation, and free Wi-Fi your way home. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and manage user access for all connected devices with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires May 6, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. Legend has it, underneath the NJM insurance offices lies a mysterious room of long-forgotten moldy mascot memorabilia, often pitched by ad agencies, always rejected by NJM. Is it real? We may never know. But what is real is NJM's dedication to doing what's right for their customers. Astoundingly, they're proud to put policyholders first. No jingles or mascots, just great insurance. Learn more at NJM.com. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Can you imagine young Tommy Hinkle Dinkle? Right? (laughs) He just went down to Dealey Plaza and all he wanted to do was see the president. Right, right. You know, and he's like, oh, mama, daddy. Do I get to see the president today? Mm-hmm. You're like, yes, yes, Tommy, we do. And Tommy <laughs> gets to go and he sees all the glittering limos and stuff. And he's like, this is just simply the most amazing thing on the face of the planet. And he looks over and he sees the, he's like, what is the lovely little lawn I can go hang out on? This is not, this is nothing. It seemed to be, it seemed to be pretty deserted. A lot of room, a lot of room for me to see the president. Well, hello, Mr. Police Officer, what do you want? The name is Bajman. Tell <laughs> <laughs> me, young bear. A Bajman is French? Uh, oh, yes, I am. Of course you really? can. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever held a rifle before, <laughs> young boy? Well, no, I never have done before. Well, here's your first chance. Here, hold on to this rifle. Oh, this is simply amazing. The power. Babel! Whoa! Oh, my God, I killed him. I killed a president. Welcome to the last. I podcast. killed a president. Welcome to the last podcast on the left. Everyone, I am Ben with Marcus Parks. Hello, Ben and Henry Zabrowski. I gotta say, if the person who killed JFK had the last name Hinkle Dinkle, we would still be laughing today about it because it I killed like, a president. What, Mister Hinkle, Mister Hinkle Dinkle? You killed the president? I wanted to wave. I wanted to wave and see Jackie's hat. Now Jackie's hat is all covered in brains. Oh my goodness, that's not right. Okay, everyone, we are on to part five of our JFK series. This episode is the descent into the conspiracy world that basically we currently live in. Mm -hmm. So let's get into how we got here. Think about this. Marcus and I have sat for the last, I don't know, 120 hours. Sure. um, Consuming. JFK assassination information. This is real information that we're about to go through today. This is what we're doing is we're setting, we're spreading the lap of conspiracy theories so that we can really get up on the pubic mound of the truth (laughs) here, right? This is very, very important. And do you think, I mean, like, because what perfect times so, it's not like things are super paranoid right now so there's a lot of pressure in society like this isn't some kind of like weird crux for all of us and i wonder if finally now we'll have the true motive to get to the bottom of this kissel 
Uh, so we're in the pubes of the JFK story. <laughs> yeah. Is that that's right? You know, it's Would only you... information you can get here at the last podcast on the left that brings up a very intelligent uh, script that you wrote, Marcus. It's Thank you. Unbelievably smart. Thank you. People very are going to learn a lot. Uh-huh. But we did preface it with "We're all in the pubes now. <laughs> <laughs> we're just little crabs on the shafts <laughs> of, the, of the truth." Oh. <laughs> On JFK Part 4, we placed much of the blame for the birth of the JFK conspiracy movement, and hence the modern conspiracy movement at large, on the shoulders of Jack Ruby. Sparky Rubenstein! Aww. But Ruby was merely the catalyst. When it comes to the government completely and totally botching a response that was supposed to introduce certainty in times of confusion, it's hard to find an investigative body more inept than the Warren Commission. I'd call them, they're like the, the, the hex men. This is the worst right. super team ever put together. <laughs> Why is it when the government tries to clarify things, things get more confusing? Things get worse. Yeah. Now, for those of you unfamiliar, the Warren Commission was supposed to be the investigation that gave the American people a clear explanation for exactly how the president wound up dead in the streets of Dallas. Mm. But the commission itself from its formation to its investigation to its conclusions, can be looked at a few different ways. Although you would be hard-pressed to find someone who looks at it as competent in any way whatsoever. Hey, if you're a guy that measures how many chairs a bunch of old men can sit in, it was a 100%. Oh, isn't <laughs> Because that nice? each one of the raisiny fucking butt cheeks was always in a chair. This is this is where we all get to channel our inner Bill Cooper. Yeah. Because it's correct to question the government in this case. Now, if you're going from the conspiracy angle, you say that the Warren Commission was part of the cover-up. In controlling the investigation, the government was able to hide any embarrassing or, more importantly, implicating evidence. Mm. Yeah, man. The other way to look at it is that the Warren Commission was criminally understaffed and overworked, and the time constraints put on the junior and senior counsel made it impossible for them to do the job properly. Oh, it's maybe how like how I fucked up putting together all of the bureaus from IKEA that we had purchased for our home, and then I got asked to never do them again. <laughs> Yes, Henry, the death of JFK, an American president, is similar to you fucking up on making furniture. (laughs) Very similar. I agree. But them being criminally understaffed and overworked introduces a third possibility. There's Mm. also the possibility that the Warren Commission was designed to be incompetent. Mm. But the problem with covering up the truth this way, if that is indeed the case, is that it had an unintended consequence. In underestimating the American public's curiosity and intelligence, but mostly their curiosity, the government very well could have helped to create modern conspiracy thought, which ultimately has helped to slowly erode the American people's faith in the government. Mm. Shooting themselves in the fucking foot. Right, right. Well, because they couldn't properly figure out an answer. And I'm I'm starting to think, and I'm of the mind, because Marcus and I going deeper and deeper and deeper, deeper into deeper. the Warren Commission, I, I, I'm really leaning on this theory that it was made to be shabby so that it would get the job done, they would put it all on Lee Harvey Oswald, mm-hmm. and it would be over quote unquote to them saying we've already done my we've already, we've done our jobs by just fucking closing the doors but what they found what you really find out is that the reason why you make it so shitty 
You make the investigation so shallow because as soon as you start opening some of these doors, taking the lids off some of these boxes, you are going to find yourself in really hot water with with these with covert ops. Right. All these kind of all these like a world of spooks that if you expose them, you'll never be invited on the inside ever again. And that's how you get shit done, quote unquote, in American politics is that they say, oh, you got to do it from the inside. So they pretend like they're altruistic by covering up for these covert ops that are covering up for the true intentions of our government's machinations in other countries. Or could it be, <laughs> judging by my experience when I go to the DMV and judging by my experience every time I talk to a traffic cop, that these government employees are just completely incompetent and they accidentally messed up our nation forever. Similar to when I took my ACTs and I had a donut smudge on it and I literally handed it in hungover be like, I think I nailed it. I think I did a pretty good job. And then it came back and it was like. You killed JFK. <laughs> well, did you get, like, recruited by the CIA from that? Because he's the ultimate distraction agent. Unfortunately, uh, Will Smith's character in Men in Black had other skills other than being annoying and loud. Uh, so that's why he was able to hunt the aliens. He made it look good. Yeah, he did. Well, not everybody involved in the Warren Commission was a government employee. A lot of mm. the people involved in the Warren Commission and the junior and senior council were brought in from outside. Like, they were all lawyers. Ah. Oh. But before we truly dig into the world of JFK conspiracy, particularly when it comes to the involvement of the CIA, let's examine exactly why, how, and to what extent the Warren Commission shat America's bed. <laughs> Just think about uh, the Universal Se- the Universal Studios, the globe that looks like it's covered in human shit. Yeah. How appropriate for a government for them to outsource bed shitting. <laughs> So since Lee Harvey Oswald was unfortunately killed by the idiot Jack Ruby not too long after being arrested, the American public was robbed of a trial that would have hopefully laid out the facts concerning the president's assassin in a clear manner. Since a conventional trial was no longer a possibility, President Lyndon Johnson appointed a commission to, quote, ascertain, evaluate, and report on the facts of the assassination through a supposedly far-reaching investigation. This got kicked off like three days after the assassination, right? Yes. Like this was very, very soon, right after Lee Harvey Oswald was shot. They jumped on this. Mm-hmm. And LBJ, he would appoint all commissions literally by taking out his penis. Yes, I'm talking about it again. <laughs> directing it at a group of people and letting them know that they are now the Warren Commission. <laughs> You're just like very, very curious slash interested in all of the mythical huge penises of the past. Rasp. It's him. It's Milton Burl. Also yeah. had his family, formerly known as Milton Curl, is what they called it. <laughs> The commission was supposed to be an opportunity for the American public to hear the truth and dispel the many rumors swirling about as to who was ultimately responsible. And it was supposed to be done in an expedient manner. (sighs) But as each and every member of the commission was about to discover, when the rock of the JFK assassination was overturned, there was far more information, conflicting accounts, and just plain weird shit Mm. than they were prepared to deal with. And I find this to be the same right now, because 
one thing that's been interesting of this saga right now, we've been doing this for almost a month and a half. I've been deep fucking up to the middle of my head, which is where my hairline is. I have been up to there in assassination nation. Right, I'm the I'm a I'm a senator in assassination an assassination nation. Still can't spell assassin though, <laughs> even though I've seen it a thousand times. But it really does continue to be very eerie and very interesting. There's so much conflicting bullshit. There is there's so much like kind of. I'm not going to say dark. I, I, I'm going to use the term dark magic. Sure. Deep inside of this story that every single time you see like all every witness is is, is wrong and right. All this kind of horseshit. How many people were involved? But like, all of the the fact that a president could be shot in broad daylight right. in the middle of the day during a fucking parade. It's a lot. It's a lot you, in there. <laughs> there is a lot in there, and you would think a word that has ass in it twice would be a positive thing, <laughs> but it turns out it's all about there. Now, we're about to dip our toe into name salad here, but we're going to do mm. our absolute best to keep everything as clear and as concise as possible when we're talking about all the players involved in order to lessen your confusion. Because it's very easy to get lost in all these names. That's yeah. one of the big problems that conspiracy theory has, especially when the JFK assassination comes out. So people just start flipping out all these names, and you completely lose track of the story. Because right. it's just, you don't know who anyone is or what anyone does. Why are we helping these people? We couldn't help us. Nobody helped us try to understand all the different <laughs> names. <laughs> Operation 40 is, it is literally, it is 40 Cubans, and they're all... And, they're all, I'm sure, the brave servants of Operation 40, but it's the same name three times, just mixed up in different orders. 40 times. <laughs> we'll get to the bottom of it. Ahead the commission, Johnson appointed Chief Justice Earl Warren, which was already a particularly bad decision considering how Warren still had to report to the Supreme Court at 10 a.m. every day. Earl Warren pissed everyone off like everyone the right the left they gave him the Warren Commission like the boss from office space like dropped off the TPS reports be like right. and just so you know you're gonna want to really close the books on that assassin there if we can get that going that'd be great Thanks. although he was a, he was a conservative appointed justice and he became more of a liberal mm -hmm. so he's uh, also kind of good mm -hmm. now as far as the people directly under Justice Warren went Half of those six were fairly innocuous choices when it comes to investigative bodies within the governmental sphere. It was just three senators. Uh, Richard Russell, John Cooper, and Hale Boggs. Hale Boggs, <laughs> that's Wade Boggs' paternal grandfather, Aww. and he was born with no knees. Very interesting. No joints. It's entirely, it's weird. He's a completely a stiff man, um, and which is what they needed. They needed a man that just had lines for arms and legs so that he could really pay attention to just the facts absolutely an easy birth when your kid has no knees although i think it was a little rough because he also came out with a mustache <laughs> but the other half were in hindsight choices that seem almost designed to foment future conspiracy theories whether those theories are warranted or not first you had gerald ford who became president about a decade after the assassination. Coincidence? Well, that's the thing. <laughs> Get ready for a lot of that. Well, you know, coincidence. <laughs> well, Ford became president through a series of governmental goof-em-ups. 
It's like, one way to put it. It's <laughs> yeah. one way to put Watergate. <laughs> He's a governmental goof him up. Well, you know? well was. he was uh, he was House Majority Leader, uh, I, I think, or maybe a House Speaker. Uh, yeah, he was Speaker, uh, and he uh, and then Spiro Agnew, Richard Nixon's Vice President, was forced to resign, so he became Vice President. And then when Richard Nixon was forced to resign, Gerald Ford became President. So you tell me that all I have to do is just sit here and wait for all of them to fuck up, and then I get to be President? <laughs> well, Gerald Ford actually he started as one of the sous chefs inside of the White House kitchen. And when the House Speaker slipped on a banana peel and fell down an elevator shaft, and he brought all of his aides with him because they were on one of those bachelorette party trolleys, you know, where they were all riding the bike. Very unfortunate the way that Parker trolley went over the banana. He grabbed them all, pulled them in there, and that's how Gerald Ford got to be House Speaker. So you could see, you know, happy accidents. Hey, uh, hey, head of the White House, if we thought about closing up the elevator shaft, we keep on losing senators and members of the House. That's how we weed them out. <laughs> Coincidence. Oh. Well, the fact that Gerald Ford was never elected as vice president or president could, from a certain perspective, be seen as Ford being rewarded for his service. Oh, I don't know what makes you think that, Marcus. Whoa. <laughs> then you had international lawyer John J. McCloy, who was the former president of the World Bank which has been rumored amongst conspiracy theorists for years to be a front for the Illuminati. If we can talk about the World Bank and not somehow become anti-Semitic, I will give us all of the I'll give us all the prizes. Well, if they wanted to make the World Bank sound less suspicious, you call it like the saltwater taffy bank. <laughs> something nice, something that, something that promotes good. The LA Lakers Bank. Yes. Something something fun. Yeah, And of course, I was making a reference to a lot of the conspiracy theorists who become anti-Semitic. Of course, yeah. What? I just want to, I don't want people to be like, I've never heard that before. (laughs) Coincidence. Coincidence. What I'm saying is that, you know, there are just all these places for, you know, really ridiculous conspiracy to be plugged into. You know, the Illuminati, World Bank shit, that's a stretch. But the Hmm. final member of the Warren Commission is a highly questionable choice even if you think there was no conspiracy whatsoever within the Warren Commission. Janet Reno. <laughs> was she just a pile of cum at that point? <laughs> In fact, if this was a true murder investigation conducted by a law enforcement agency, this man would most likely be put quite high on a list of suspects if you're working off the principle of motive, means, and opportunity. I'm talking, of course, about former director of the CIA, Alan Dulles. Alan Dulles had a particular hatred for JFK because, among many other things, Kennedy had fired Dulles after the Bay of Pigs disaster in 1961, which we will explore further later. And while many members of the Warren Commission attended only a few of the hearings, which is insane considering how important all this was, yeah, Alan Dulles attended the most by far, almost as if he had a vested interest in the proceedings. Have you done any research into Alan Dulles Kissel? Have you ever seen it? you ever looked into the story? Alan Dulles was all over the place. I talked about him in a lot in college because he was all with like COINTELPRO, all of this yeah. kind of stuff. He created a lot of these government programs that went on to destroy the culture as we know it and perhaps began with the with the drugs and stuff in, in urban areas. Yeah, but yeah, he's he's very infamous. Alan Dulles comes from a long line 
of people that have controlled this country. Mm-hmm. His father, I believe, was, I want to say Speaker of the House, he was under the, uh, the administration of Benjamin Harrison. Um, he was connected deep from deep into this international law firm that he was already handling weird sort of world government shit from as a very young man in the 1930s. When he got to the head of CIA, basically they just kind of made this shit up. The OSS was 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 created and then shuttered, and then when they created the CIA and put him in charge, this is a man. Alan mm-hmm. Dulles had met Hitler. That he was one of these people that like this is old school, true. Like back in the day, he was one of the participants of Operation Paperclip. He helped get Nazi scientists and Nazi like different trade union guys over to the United States. This guy's a truly nefarious character. Yes. You ever read the book The Devil's Chessboard by mm-hmm. David Talbot? It has a. It's just oh, he's a villain. <laughs> no, it's he, very interesting the way he brought the Nazi uh, scientists over. He dressed them all like baseball players, and uh, <laughs> were, it's an away game. He's truly one of the uh, hidden villains of American history. He's a terrible fucking person, and this man who hated JFK was on the commission to investigate the murder of the president. Mm. <laughs> yep. And so, with the commission chosen, Justice Earl Warren appointed a former solicitor general named J. Lee Rankin as general counsel, and the commission supposedly got to work on solving the president's murder. Kind of. By LBJ's command, the Warren Commission's real job was to place every single bit of the blame for the murder solely on the shoulders of Lee Harvey Oswald, and anything that pointed elsewhere was either ignored or buried. You know for a fact, at least 30 to 40 um, liverwurst white bread sandwiches without the crust were served (laughs) during every meeting. You can just What's wrong with that? Nothing's wrong with it. Nothing's better. Oh God! Oh my God! You get a nice, like, hard black, like (laughs) Scottish, like you have one of those Polish breads. Yes, those black breads, the Polish breads. Liverwurst, couple sheets of it, couple (laughs) of slices of raw white onion. You smear it with super spicy Polish mustard. Uh Ooh, you don't need to be kissed ever again because (laughs) your intestines are getting kissed by all of that creamed liver. (laughs) I believe it. Now, this isn't to say that Lee Harvey Oswald didn't fire shots from the book depository, because he definitely did. We both, me and Henry, both believe that Lee Harvey Oswald fired shots from the book depository. He's in there. But since Johnson wanted this done fast, anything outside of the lone gunman narrative was tossed aside. And there was a lot outside of the lone gunman narrative. Hmm. There was a lot! So they went in with an end goal and just this is this is like 101 mistake. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, they, oh, you say 101 mistake, but it sounds like it's 101 on purpose. Yeah. They wanted this. This was the, the whole point was to get this really wrapped up, because even if you begin to investigate all of the weird covert shit attached to this or what could be involved again what i what what i was kind of teeing up is that it betrays all of the trust that you've built with the covert community the covert community Mm. wants to be they want to be taken care of it's like internal affairs right within the police officers like a lot of times internal affairs yeah they're trying to keep their cops honest and let's say Mm. you are a police officer that goes and essentially throws a fellow police officer under the bus or tells somebody what somebody going you would say hey investigate this guy they say thank you so much great thank you you're doing a job you're doing a service for us thank you but guess what you never get to be invited into ever again 
any of those secret conversations, any anything that would involve like, the backdoor politics, mm-hmm. that uh, the way these organizations truly run, you're not invited to anymore because yep. now you're a fucking snitch. Well, you know what? They say snitches get stitches, but you know what snitches don't get? Schnitzels. <laughs> and when you don't get invited to the schnitzel dinner, you think Ooh. you're going to snitch again? I don't think so because the- Wait a second. Hey, you guys, I'm smelling something. You guys making a uh, schnitzel today or something? <laughs> yeah, we are Officer Bob, and you yeah. would be invited if you didn't diss on op- Officer Rob just for taking a dump public when he was drunk yeah maybe you should have done that I was a good man <laughs> I was a good man good men don't get schnitzel where's this police office where's this police department where it's officer Rob and officer Bob hanging you tell out? me there's not an officer Rob and an officer Bob listening right now I'm certain one there very is. well defecating in New Orleans you got it if one's a Bob one has to be a Rob always well this willful ignorance of large swaths of information did two things first the people who had other bits of information outside of the lone gunman narrative, whether right or wrong, felt ignored. And so they told two friends and they told two friends. And before you knew it, entire books were being written specifically based on those ignored bits of information. Now, I have a question when it comes to the books. Was it a slow burn or did they hit the shelves and just get scooped up? It started did, about two years after okay. and then it just, it was it was an exponential growth. Okay. Second, the report had to be actively changed or muddled at certain points in the narrative to account for those conflicting reports. They had to use words like probably, and they had to use phrases like assumed to be, which made the final report less than definitive to skeptics. Mm -hmm. But there was a further reason why much of this wasn't followed up on besides the time constraints set by LBJ in order to get an official explanation from the government as fast as possible. It ended up, the, the investigation overall took a year. They wanted it done originally in eight months. Good Lord. Just to give you a fucking perspective, you know what else took eight months? <gasps> what? Metallica's The Black Album. You can hear every minute. You can hear every minute at work because their shift from more intense thrash metal to more, some, I wouldn't say pop, thrash, melange oh, metal. We have such I a mean, honestly, opinion. while it did isolate some of the earlier fans, it did ah. bring in a whole new sea of fans that were interested in their more easy sound. We have such a different opinion on the Black Album. I think it's a great album. It's, you put it on, you drive to it. I think it's awesome. It's fine. It's good. <laughs> Well, this further reason, even though the commission was given only months to submit a report involving hundreds of witnesses in a story that involved at least four countries, including two countries that we did not have friendly relations with, these people were also working with a relatively small force. Like right here at LPN. Yeah. (laughs) Now, there were six members of the senior council, including Senator Arlen Specter, a.k.a. Snarlin Arlen. Snarlin Arlen. That man (laughs) is... He never died. I still don't think he's dead. (laughs) I'm the naughtiest vice president. (laughs) Hey, hey Arlen. Hey, Arlen. How'd you get the name Snarlin? I'm new to the Senate, and I would love to know how you got the name Snarlin. What do I have to do to find out? I'll show you. First, you make a ding, 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 (laughs) tiny little steps like a cat then you make little cat hands like row, row, row. and then you kill a thousand people in Laos oh <laughs> snarling <laughs> well the senior council were all highly regarded lawyers or senators but since they were so sought after many of them barely did any real work outside of Senator Specter 
The real work was left to the six-member junior council. These poor motherfuckers were given enormous tasks to complete in an extremely short period of time, and a lot of them had to do it damn near by themselves. We do, we're paying them in exposure, dog meat. That's more important than anything. It's really? eyeballs onto their portfolios. It is an internship. They can get credit for this. They paid them $75 a day. For the exposure, I actually get it, because now we're talking about it. They really made it, yeah. Just to give you a scope of this investigation's responsibilities, the Warren Commission was divided into six areas, and each of these areas had two people working on them. That's Besides it? maybe a couple of paralegals, uh, but for the most part, yeah, they got two more, people. They got more people trying to figure out how to fill the vending machine and how to figure <laughs> out who killed JFK. That's insane. There was literally, in shooter teams, according to several documents I've read, it, at least every shooter team is three people. You got a shooter, you got a spotter, and you got a getaway guy. Yeah. Sure. So even that has three people. You should at least have enough people to fill a basketball squad. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> well, listen to what these two people teams uh, had to contend with. The first area was concerned with the basic facts of the assassination, the nuts and bolts of the shots fired. The second area was the identity of the assassin, which aimed to prove that Lee Harvey Oswald was indeed the culprit. The third was concerned with the background of Lee Harvey Oswald and what possible motives he could have had for killing the president. Jeez. The fourth was specifically concerning the possibility that Oswald worked with other people or outside groups during the planning and execution of the assassination. The fifth was about Jack Ruby and investigating if Ruby and Oswald had known each other previous to Oswald's assassination. And finally, the sixth dealt with the failures of the FBI and the Secret Service. Oh, and that must have been the most diligent one. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure they were very introspective at that moment. Mm -hmm. Six people, every single one of those tasks requires 20 people. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We did, We technically did the research for the background of Lee Harvey Oswald. It took me, Marcus, our three research assistants, right. and all of our horses. You know, and we're just a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we put five people on it <laughs> for just know, our stupid puerile, childish entertainment. But I think this is why a lot of people feel, I'm sure the Warren Commission gets some, some things right, some things wrong, a lot of things redacted. If Sharpies could talk, that mm. would be great. Yeah, they go, please let me go home. Please <laughs> let me make love. <laughs> Sorry, Sharpie, you've got to erase government secrets again for oh, another whole night, Sharpie just man. Grinded my face. <laughs> yep. just grinded me. <laughs> but this is why people think it's so nefarious. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure there were paralegals working on this and probably a couple of clerks here and there working on this shit uh but not as many there's there weren't as many main people working on this mm. as you'd really want absolutely not so it's more about the company vibe in my <laughs> mind right it's about the idea that it they they put people on it and as soon as they do it as soon as lbj did it as soon as he set this all up he was like did it, done it, good. Like, he right. thought that this was all he had to do. Because then he can go on to, now everybody could celebrate me being president. Right. Everybody's going to yeah. be, they're going to be so happy to see a big dick president again. <laughs> Who doesn't use it? It is for show. I keep it flaccid <laughs> on purpose. So after the teams of senior counsel and junior counsel were paired up, because remember, it's two people each. The investigative materials that the government already had were divided up into the appropriate sections. Just to start with, before their own investigations even began, guess how many pages of notes they had? 
Ooh, I'm going to say number mm. 69 because I'm cool. Cool guy. <laughs> I got shorts on. I'm a nice beach going guy. 420. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't make a serious guess. 69. No, no, uh, I'm going to say probably, I'm going to say at least 15 to 30 pages. 20,000 pages. Yep. Good. 20,000 pages. It's a lot of notes. They had, wait, I. 20,000 pages of investigative notes that they got from other no, agencies within the government. And that's where they, that's what they started with. At one point, you know, they were just drawing big dicks like they did in the Big Lebowski. <laughs> and like there was, what were on these 20,000 notes? 20,000. Well, I mean, you're, you're working from notes from the Dallas Police Department. You're working from notes from the Secret Service, the FBI, the CIA. You're working with all of these different agencies and they're giving you everything that they fucking have. Next week, we'll be getting a little bit more on the <sighs> ground on the day of the assassination, going through all the various witnesses. They spoke with everyone. When the, when the Dallas PD showed up, they were pulling. As soon as it, because you had a crowd there. Right. You had 200 witnesses. So immediately, boom. How many, how many per each one? Then climbing through. Then you have the whole Texas theater side mm-hmm. of it where you have to you're you that murder investigation you the murder of lee harvey oswald that investigation where he was murdered publicly in front of dozens of reporters all witnesses every so all right. you're looking this is the the piles of information they're trying to aggregate yeah and then you're going to everybody that's in the book depository, everybody that was at Lee Harvey Oswald's boarding house, you know, everybody who worked with Lee Harvey Oswald in New Orleans. You know, it's like you're you're just going further and further back. And that's just what they started with. And if they if they got everybody that went to Lee Harvey Oswald's birthday party, they'd have none. <laughs> they would have no one. Someone should have gone to his birthday parties. Maybe this whole thing could have been avoided. Well, I tell it, you what, I just don't I didn't even want anybody at my birthday party. That's what I said. I don't even no, no, no I'm gonna I prefer to be alone. I are prefer, you sure? Yeah. Yeah, are you sure? Because it seems like you do want to have friends come over. As a matter of fact, I got a group no. of like three friends. We're commie buddies, comrades. Can we come over? Wanna have a nice time? Are you sure you're not CIA? We are CIA. Yeah, oh, we okay. At least you're saying it. Yeah. I got to give you that. Thank you for saying it. No yeah, problem. It's your birthday. Well, because it's 20,000 pages, 12 people max working on this shit, dividing it all up, it's almost certain that important evidence was either lost in the yeah. division or given to the wrong team. It might have just been given to the wrong people because if you are in Area 2... Like, you're not really going to be concerned with what's going on with Area 6. Because can't you be. can't. Because you're so busy with what you fucking got going on that you can't be concerned with, with what everyone else is fucking doing. Wow. Furthermore, the commission was purposefully flooded with information by the FBI. Because it was determined that 90% of the information given by J. Edgar Hoover's FBI was absolutely useless to the investigation. One report in particular, the 1,200-page Gimberling report, had mixed in with pertinent information. I, I skimmed through the Gimberling report. There's a lot of pertinent shit in there. Along with all that were detailed descriptions of dreams people reported having after the assassination. The Gimberling report does sound like a segment on 60 Minutes, where it's just like, time for the Gimberling report. Still got the gout. This has been the Gimberling report. It's just one man just going, I had a dream where I met a potato that was also my uncle, Terry. And I had a dream that I was a car. Yes. But it also was a boat. I was both, but then I was in my childhood home, but actually it was my elementary school. Yes. 
Okay, well, JFK was Irish. He's the potato. The car is the car. The book depository is the elementary school. You, sir, are guilty. Guilty, guilty. I never should tell anybody my dreams. Like the time I told somebody I wanted to run an ice cream store one day and they told me I was stupid. Oh, you can do it, buddy. You can do it. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats to keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. Now, this flood of information might be par for the course when it comes to investigations of this magnitude, and the commission might have erroneously asked for every bit of information the FBI had, no matter how small. But the point is, 
that you had a relatively small team working through a mountain of bullshit, Mm. meaning that it was almost certain that important facts would be overlooked. Furthermore, the FBI was all for giving files about dreams that assholes had after the assassination, but when it came to files on Lee Harvey Oswald, arguably the most important person in the investigation, the FBI said, nah. Ugh. Was the Not seventh good. was seven was the seventh person we haven't mentioned Miss Cleo? How, why did they go into such? What do you think that they did that just to have substance, just to have uh, quantity, not quality? So then they could say, "Hey, look." We got 20,000 pages. Well, it's a common uh, trick in legal proceedings uh, where you flood the other side with information. You flood them with paperwork. You flood them with all kinds of bullshit that is not pertinent to the investigation uh, in any way whatsoever, but they still have to go through all of it. Also, these agencies, as we see today, are vaguely competitive. They don't want anybody investigating the inner workings of it the, because they believe in their own sort of like proprietary secrets and, and ways they do investigations. And they are not trying to give information to the CIA. Sure. They're not trying to give information to the Supreme Court. They are trying to stay autonomous because the FBI thinks they know what's best for the country. So does the CIA. So does the White House. So does the Supreme Court. They all think, well, I actually know what's the best thing to do for this country. And so you're not worth that information because you're just going to get in my way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially then. Yeah, especially then. Well, I mean, shit, especially then. Especially 2001. I mean, well, yeah, 9-11, 9/11 <laughs> may have tore our country country apart when deciding to go to war, but it did bring the FBI and the CIA together. <laughs> then that's and they so have been nice. together ever since. That's so nice. <laughs> oh, I'm verklempt. So once the commission divvied up the workload, they made another conspiracy-fueling decision. They decided to hold all the hearings away from the public eye, supposedly to keep from interfering with Jack Ruby's trial. They further justified this decision by saying that public hearings might make the public reach mistaken conclusions if the testimonies were released out of context, which I suppose is a reasonable enough claim. Whatever. But I mean, the- it's ironic, that's <laughs> for sure. But the pro- it's extremely ironic, yeah. just like everything is in this fucking investigation. But- Coincidence! <laughs> but the problem with at least their first justification was that very few witnesses were actually called before Ruby's trial was completed. And if that was really an issue, they could have just waited a fucking week or two instead of rushing it. Or they could have moved Ruby's trial to an earlier date. They didn't. Or there they- was no law that said both of these things had to happen at the same time. Or they could have actually used Jack Ruby as a witness and asked him for information. Well, they did. Instead of, ah. <laughs> he said, no, bring me to Washington. He was like, uh, he wanted to go to Washington. He said he couldn't speak clearly in the Dallas prison because he basically said there were people listening to what he had to say. And he didn't want to, he didn't want to snitch on people that essentially, he just didn't want to say the words, a cop let me down the ramp. Because he was my old buddy, and that's why how I got to shoot Lee Harvey Oswald. But it does have a fucking sinister tint when he's just like, I can't talk freely unless you bring me to Washington. And yeah. then they didn't. That's it, what Mr. Smith did when he got to Washington, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Great movie. A really solid movie. Yeah. I love him. But it's not like the Ruby trial would have lasted too long, right? Because, I mean, there's it didn't. video of him shooting him unless he was like, I was sleepwalking. You know that movie Naked Gun 33 and a third that hasn't come out yet? <laughs> um, it was the queen that controlled me. It didn't uh, last. I think they called one witness while Ruby's trial was happening because Ruby's trial was extremely short. Uh, and I think they 
called one witness at the end of Ruby's trial, and I think by the time Ruby's trial ended, they had called two. Uh, so they could have waited a few days even. Uh, but they said, nope, we don't want to interfere with Jack Ruby's trial, so all this shit's going to be secret. Mm. You're, and they also told people, you're going to find out eventually. So, in March of 1964, the lawyers prepared a list of witnesses to be called during field investigations and clarifying questions based on the initial material were forwarded to the FBI, the Secret Service, and the CIA. But when it came to everything else, General Counsel Rankin wanted the lawyers to be independent. Now, this sounds like a good idea at first, but as one of the lawyers put it, this decision made the process hectic and disorganized because they were trying to do all of it on their own Mm. and since everything was so disorganized the commission cut corners for example arlen specter while doing his field investigation concerning jfk's neck wound he interviewed the hospital employee who found the so-called magic bullet on the hospital stretcher The accepted narrative is that the bullet that passed through JFK and hit Governor Connolly lodged in Governor Connolly's thigh. And when Connolly was transported on a hospital stretcher in Parkland Hospital, the bullet fell out onto the stretcher. That's the accepted narrative. Okay. Sure. But from what the hospital employee told Spectre, while he did find the bullet on a stretcher, he did not find it on the stretcher that Connolly had used. Now, was that bullet planted there by those responsible for the conspiracy? Or Mm -hmm. did the bullet fall out elsewhere and someone merely picked it up off the floor and placed it on the nearest stretcher in a moment of understandably shocked stupidity? Well, if you get through episode, I want to say six of the men who killed Kennedy, it actually fell out of Jeff. It actually fell out of JFK's head. And that they, that's where they kept it. The, you know, who knows what happened in that autopsy room. Sounds like it was a bit of a mess. Do bullets often fall out of the victim? Yeah. Do they? Yeah. Yeah, okay. if it's it lodged just right in the surface, because it didn't go deep, deep into him. Okay. Yeah. But the thing is, we'll never know. Because yeah. Spectre didn't investigate the possibility because he didn't have fucking time. But uh, well, at least but at least that's one way of looking at it. One way is to say that Arlen Spectre was overworked and cut corners, mm-hmm. erroneously thinking that something as small as where the bullet was found was ultimately inconsequential. It's like, well, yeah, we- right. It's <laughs> like, well, we've got the bullet. Uh, it doesn't matter if it was on Connolly's stretcher or a stretcher. It was found on a stretcher, and that's good enough for me. And that will probably be good for everybody else. Another way, of course, is to say that Arlen Specter was in on the conspiracy and purposefully lied in order to obfuscate the truth. Okay. Fact is, there's no way of knowing because Arlen Specter didn't investigate the other possibilities. And these holes are where a conspiracy is born. These are just, these are horrible, little suspicious little eggs inside of a big uterus. It gets filled with conspiracy cum. That's where they come from. (laughs) And and this this is important for you to know. This is the birds and bees of conspiracy theory. Really? People's ideas are cum. And they go inside gapes in information like pussy holes uh-huh. into doubts, which are eggs. The <laughs> eggs get filled with the conspiracy cum, come out as big, horrible babies that at some point start blaming Jewish people for everything. <laughs> so we started this episode in the pubes and now we've gone fully into the uterus. <laughs> yes, we're Wait. living in the uterus right now. And the only person that could have done a proper, because I think the nouveau ring, that's what stops periods, right? Yeah. Stop. That would have been if George Washington came back to life and really wanted to find 
the killer of yeah. JFK. And if only they had George Washington or somebody as vigilant as O.J. Simpson right. to get out there and look for the real killer. But OJ that could have been the OJ, nouveau ring to stop these periods. O.J. hasn't found uh, the air quotes real killer, he's though. So tired, <laughs> he's so tired. And he's got so much content to put on social media. He can't, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's building up. He's building a team. You know, I think it might be difficult to bring George Washington back and talk about this because we'll get all muddled up in the racial slurs. Yeah. Uh, because he'll be like, what's going on? <laughs> well, entire books have been written about this one bullet. And because its provenance is in question, theorists can completely deny that the bullet that is now in the National Archives was even used in the assassination. They can completely dismiss it like, nope, that's not that's not the bullet. So any argument that you have about the bullet and about the single bullet theory, that can be dismissed out of hand completely because they can believe that the bullet that's in the National Archives is not the real bullet. And that's just and that could just be Arlen Specter cutting corners because he didn't have time to investigate. Or he might be in on it. I don't fucking know. Whoa, oh, Marcus, I know. Whoa. <laughs> it's his, I'm glad to see him get here. I'm I glad that it. he finally is waking up. I actually, this happened to me the other day. We were watching JFK. Uh, we were watching JFK the movie, and there's that scene where Kevin Costner walks in. He's just like, I don't know. I want to know. It's like, there's so many different questions. And then they didn't even look at the head wound. They said, God damn it. This is something bigger going on. Going There's something bigger going on. And his wife is like, baby, come to bed. Come to bed. And he's like, I've been asleep for three years. <laughs> and oh. Natalie turned to me and she's like, I wonder if they have had cameras in our bedroom to see that. Because I did this the night before where I was just brushing my teeth and just being like, I know that there's gaps and in gaps comes come. And she's like, all right, okay, I, I get it now. I get it. Please stop. Can JFK be in the living room and our love be in our quarantine bedroom? I can just see the conspiracy theory fight. Yeah, I can see this happening at a Hampton Inn, and they are just beating the shit out of each other, throwing bagels at one another. Croissant. I've been asleep for three years. <laughs> yes, you were you were in a coma. Welcome back. Then there was the matter of the shots fired. <gasps> Warren tasked Joseph Ball, the man in charge of Area Two, with investigating the claims that shots had been fired from the railroad bridge. Six out of the seven witnesses from Dealey Plaza that Ball spoke with heard shots from the infamous grassy knoll which was the area to the right of the president's limo at the time of the fatal head wound it's such a nice knoll it's you a know, very like nice knoll sp- being is, yeah. in deal being in dallas and going over you're like this is super relaxing and it is I'm, I'm gonna go and say this might be inappropriate but it is kind of fun to make rifle motions at cars as they go past from the grassy knoll because it's kind of fun it's fun to do it's cosplaying for a little bit it's a it's about america do you think um, <laughs> You think that's a sensitive thing to do at the grassy knoll? You don't think that people might might feel everyone like... everyone was laughing. They were laughing. And they had real guns, and they were pointing it back. <laughs> oh, okay. I was there. No, it was mostly people uh, driving by, very annoyed yeah. that we were running in and out of traffic, so we could stand on the spot yeah. where the president was killed. Yeah, we're being curious boys. <laughs> yep. Like young Tommy Hinkledinkle, who became oh. the fifth of the 12 shooters that day in Dealey Plaza. But since where the shots came from was under the jurisdiction of Area 1, oh, which different people were in charge of, these claims about the grassy knoll, true or not, 
were never followed up on because the Area 1 team was busy investigating the president's wounds at Parkland Hospital. I feel like I'm trying to connect my cable and I'm on the call with Spectrum and they just keep on transferring to a new division and none of them help. Furthermore, as the commission barreled forward, it became apparent that there were two separate investigations that weren't working together in any meaningful way. On one side, you had people traveling to Washington, D.C. to give closed testimony to the commission itself, the six people up top. On the other, you had the field investigators talking to people on the ground. Problem was, left hand had no clue what the right hand was doing because the commission and the investigators weren't talking to each other at all. And I think that we will see, as we go on to explain a little bit more about the machinations of the CIA later on in this episode, the fact that Alan Dulles was the main force of the Warren Commission shows that this separation of the investigations is company policy. Yep. He knew immediately you create these lines of, de- de- these, these lines of demarcation of need to know. You are on a need-to-know basis at all times, and that keeps the whole thing a mass of fucking confusion. And you know, one of the divisions was just like, now, why do we call a single goose a goose and multiple goose a geese? Why don't we call a single duck a duck and multiple ducks deeks? I actually think that one important finding of the Moore Commission was that we need to change the name of groups of ducks to groups slash flocks of Deeks. Thank you. Thank you, Representative Snart. Thank you, Representative Boggs. I don't even remember your name. Then there were the tests. On April 27th, Pierre Antoinette Fink, an army physician, testified that the only way to test the theory that one bullet caused all that damage to both JFK and Governor Connolly would be to do so with two human cadavers. That's the only way I'm going to be able to see it possibly is we get a couple of corpses and we put them in a car. Yeah. You dig up a couple of corpses and I'll put a fucking bullet in them. Yeah. You, you know what's so weird, Pierre? Uh, two-thirds of your name I think of a very attractive person. Yeah. And then, uh, and then Fink, huh? Are you Yeah, a that's how I fuck with you, buddy. You want to be test corpse, you big, long piece of shit. I want to put a bullet in them. You think that's appropriate to talk about at the water cooler in the lunchroom? You think that's appropriate, Mr. Fink? It's my job. Now, our inspector thought that it was too complicated to free up two dead bodies in order to get this shit done. Instead, he tried two different tests. The first involved firing a bullet into gelatin blocks to see how much passing through an object like flesh slows down a bullet, which is pretty standard for ballistic tests. And you know, all the senators ate the jelly afterwards. The gelatin, they're like, ooh, this is my favorite kind of gelatin. Mm, This is funny. It's got gunpowder in it. But the second test was something different altogether. In this one, the team anesthetized a goat and fired a bullet into its living body to see Hmm. if that slowed down the bullet. It did it? Yeah, how'd it do? It did. It did. Oh, no shit. Oh, see? Oh, is that right? See? See, I told you it wouldn't be a waste of time, and I got to fucking kill something with blood in it. <laughs> so this entire test is just to see if a when a bullet hits a body, does it slow down? How much it slows down. How much? Yeah. It's all about how much does it slow down. Okay. Now, this did get results, but the problem was with who the Warren Commission chose to deliver those results. They called a veterinarian 
named <laughs> Alfred Oliver to mm-hmm. testify because he had helped oversee the killing of the goat. And it was his <laughs> feeling that it was more than probable that the bullet passed through the president first. <laughs> somehow. Did somehow they... he knew that. Yeah. I don't know how he knew that. He just looked at the goat. He's like, yeah. yep, it's got a hole in it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> probable. And the thing was, it is actually probable, if not definite, based on modern ballistics. Modern ballistics tests that we're able to do. It is absolutely probable, if not definite. Dog meat. Does the magical bullet theory still hold? Is that a thing? No. I know the idea is that they, they did not account for the jump seat, which meant that Governor Colony actually set below... And to the left yes. of JFK, right? Yeah, that, that's right. The magic bullet theory has been debunked for fucking years. Yeah, uh, Jim Garrison didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. And of course, the big difference there, back and to the left, makes for a great cinematic scene in an Oliver Stone movie. And below and to the left is a great line to hear in a porno. <laughs> uh, but back and to the left is not really as important about the head movement as it is about brain mist (laughs) which we will talk about we will fucking talk about how the brain mist tells us different story than just the head movement okay he's actually right it does tell somewhat (laughs) very interesting But that's the thing about these ballistics is that, you know, we we have proved with modern technology that, yeah, the ballistics do match up when it comes to a single bullet theory. But when you bring in a fucking vet to deliver that news, you tend to lose credibility. Yeah, it's like him just like sewing udders back on a cow and then turning to the grand jury and just being like, yep, the president was murdered like a farm animal. Good Lord. Man, this one's tits are just jam-packed with milk. I don't even think they'd bring a vet to a courtroom if someone got busted having sex with a cow in a farm. I know. Like, why did they... Can you... What do you see? Vets, can but... you imagine that scene with the defense attorney trying to show that the either that, like, that the cow's pussy was like well take a look at it we have a vet look at the cow's vaginas we can see if a man fucked this vagina it'd be way more fucked up you know what i mean <laughs> and we'll show it with this metal rod about three inches in circumference we're gonna show in this cow's vagina just how fucked up it would be if a man fucked it <laughs> well the warren commission did eventually get a hold of a dead body Oh, thank God. Yeah. Where did they ever find that? Yeah. To fucking J. Edgar Hoover's house. <laughs> <laughs> this time, they fired a bullet through its wrist and found that since this bullet caused way more damage to the cadaver than the same type of bullet did to Connolly's wrist, it must have passed through something else before hitting them, which okay. supported the single bullet theory. Then, in May of 1964, Rankin announced that despite an original deadline of June 30th, he was now giving an order that all the investigative reports be submitted on June 1st. What was the reason for the rush? Was was LBJ I, was putting pressure. But was society, was society, obviously people wanted answers, but were people like they're taking too long? We didn't have social media. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like society could have waited. LBJ wanted this done. He, uh, he and I, I made a joke about it before, but he wanted to get on with right. his presidency yes and what he wanted to get done which is makes lbj fucking stink to high heaven with suspicion of like because then we're starting to look about for jfk right who benefits from his death lbj is the top of that list because he immediately became president qui bono qui bono but i i think it also has to do with lbj's ego because right after the assassination Everyone's crying over JFK, and LBJ, LBJ's like, would you people please just fucking get over it? 
Could yeah, you me, get over me, shit? me, right. me. You didn't, you didn't know him. You didn't fucking know him, and, it, and most of you fucking hated him anyway. Right. So shut the fuck up. Stop crying about it. And if I get this investigation done, then maybe everyone will shut the fuck up about John F. Kennedy, who I fucking hated anyway, and get to the business of making LBJ the next great president. Now, I know as LBJ that most of you guys dreamt about JFK as a potato. Why do you care? Why do you care? Why do you care? Why do you care? <laughs> now, this right here, putting the deadline up a month earlier, this was bad news to the investigators because most of them were nowhere near finishing their investigation. Jeez. And some were just uncovering new evidence, new leads, new things that new questions to ask. Plus, the FBI had not answered most of the questions the investigators had submitted. They just ignored them. So, because the investigations weren't finished, Rankin hired a four-person committee to fill in the gaps. When two lawyers hadn't turned in their investigation by mid-July, Rankin hired a 24-year-old law clerk to finish their chapters for them. This is the Warren Report. Mm. 24-year-old law clerk. Wow. Yep. Other times, the committee totally rewrote entire chapters unbeknownst to the investigators. One member of the committee, Alfred Goldberg, rewrote the entire chapter concerning Jack Ruby because... He didn't like the writing style of the lawyers who wrote it, or so he said. Jack Ruby, Jack Ruby, <laughs> right. how many people have to die? He wanted to make it slam poetry, and he knew that he would yeah. never be able to get in his new slam poetry, his take, his urban rhymes. Because yeah. at yep. the time, this is pre-rap. Uh-huh. But Goldberg wasn't the only one doing the rewriting. Another committee member named Norman Redlick completely rewrote the chapter on identifying the assassin as Lee Harvey Oswald because the investigator hadn't been able to finish it. And because it wasn't finished, Redlick cut corners, and witnesses whom the original investigator had deemed unreliable were changed to accurate observers. Just hmm. two letters. Just, oh, you just get rid of the U, get rid of the N. Yep. Boom. And the dumbest thing about this is that it actually took him three months to rewrite it, which was time that the investigator could have used to investigate the fucking claims and to find uh, better witnesses. It's like, we go, you guys wait until George R.R. R. Martin dies, and he hasn't finished those Games of Thrones books, uh-huh. right? And then whoever Japanese woman that comes in at his very end times, who seduces him on his deathbed <laughs> and gets the entire inheritance of his whole estate, yep. and she, st- she starts rewriting those books, they're going to be a very different tone. <laughs> Just all be- about just how clean George Neezus is tushy by 6 p.m. <laughs> I'll definitely read that series. So as the deadline loomed, the commission told the junior and senior counsels to wrap up their investigation and possibly lay out their jump to conclusions map. Oh, my yep. God. It's a jump to conclusions, conclusions. map. <laughs> When they felt the investigator in charge of Ruby was spending too much time on how Ruby gained access to Oswald, they ordered him to stop. So this guy was forced to report that Ruby probably entered via the Main Street ramp. Probably. Probably the, did. Bruce Files. <laughs> How else did he get there? How else would it have happened? Some people say there was a door open that he walked through that, they, that was left open for him. There, there's many. It's we. I think we addressed it f- fully when we did our Jack Ruby segment the last yeah. episode. But it is true. It is highly, highly confusing. But it does sound like they just put like their stepson Wayne in charge <laughs> of this shit. You see him going ever. Yeah. Can I please switch now? Right. 
And so, having created a gigantic, half-assed clusterfuck of misinformation and half-truths, the Warren Commission announced they had completed their hearings Yay! on June 17th, 1964. The nice thing is, if you just be like, we're done, yeah. then it's all done. <laughs> it's all we done. We did it. And that concludes this episode of The Last Podcast on the Left. Thank you all <laughs> so much for listening. Not a mystery left. Not at all. At the end of it all, most of the lawyers working the case left Washington, and it was up to just three junior lawyers plus Redlick and Goldberg to write the whole goddamn thing in no more than a month. Good Lord. Good Lord. In order to make the July 15th deadline, Redlick reportedly worked 18 hours a day, seven days a week. And I'll tell you this from experience, working on an impossible deadline means your work is guaranteed to be sloppy and riddled with mistakes. You know how many times you just say, fuck it, and you just keep going? And that's not, I'm not saying that that's Redlick being a bad man. I'm saying that's human fucking nature. Right. People aren't designed to work that much. No, you can't Unless you are a podcast comedian in Los Angeles, which means you are pumping out content right now. <laughs> you are got new Patreons, uh, OnlyFans, just showing your asshole to people for a dollar. Oh, there's, a, there's a lot of people out there working 18 hours a day, seven days a week, and it's because they are fueled with Ritalin and avoid on the inside. Oh my goodness, that's a strange podcast, mm -hmm. just showing your butthole like that. Almost makes you not a podcaster, but more of a pornography star. That's OnlyFans. I know. OnlyFans. <laughs> Do you know it? Yeah, we have a lot of friends who are on it. Give them money, You please. should get one. For me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you wanna, should get one. You think that people want to sign up for my OnlyFans, watch me just hang out with Puffin? <laughs> I bet people would pay $5 to watch you drink a Bud Light Lime again and again and again. Just to <laughs> see you and you have me like, he's doing it. The fucking kids is doing it. Maybe, maybe. Well, the deadline was extended to September. Eventually, after being first extended to August, when Redlick just went to him and said, I, th this is, you are asking an impossible task. There's not a single human being on earth who could do this in the time frame that you want. But then, Marina Oswald changed her testimony concerning Oswald's motive, which, ne which necessitated even more rewriting of the report. In February, she'd said that Oswald's motivation was fame. But in August, she said that she had always believed that Lee Harvey Oswald was actually aiming at Governor Connolly. See? And considering the evidence we have, this might be true. But that's the thing, is we don't fucking know because the we investigation was closed. Mm. They well, could have you... looked into this more. This should have been a four-year investigation. So you're telling me this was an oopsie-doopsie? This was a bit of an oopsie-doopsie. It was an oopsie-doopsie, but Marina gets brought out several times by various documentaries again and again, and you're going like, Lee, he is innocent. Never kill, never kill, only kiss. I mean, like, what do you get out of this, Marina? Why are you defending him? Because she doesn't offer any facts. It's just being like, Lee's head, too weird to kill president. I mean, like, you're just saying shit. You took the pictures, Marina. Weird. Yeah, I'm surprised she would stand by his side, considering he was such an abusive jackass. Mm-hmm. Well, furthermore, there were actually arguments amongst the commission itself as to whether Oswald had actually acted alone. Because, of course, the final conclusion of the Warren report was Oswald acted alone. But this argument was addressed in an addition to the report that is infuriating when you consider how this whole thing was conducted beginning to end. This is what the addition said. Because the difficulty of proving a negative to a certainty, the, the possibility of others being involved with either Oswald or Ruby cannot be rejected categorically, 
But if there is any such evidence, it has been beyond the reach of all investigative agencies and resources of the United States and has not come to the attention of the commission. Well, thank you so much. That's not confusing whatsoever. I'm just going to go about my daily business believing that the government is telling me the truth and the CIA did not kill JFK. He, he didn't not, 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 not act alone or in correspondence with the foreign and or uh-huh. if uh-huh. they but yes. and when uh-huh. intelligence. Oh, okay, great. That's what pisses. I mean, it's like if they would have just given them more. Like these people were on the line to see if there were other agencies or other groups involved, other people involved. Like the investigators were on the line. They were making it. They were getting there. Uh, but they said the Warren Commission said no. There just wasn't anything there because these guys weren't able to definitively prove it in the extremely short period of time we gave them. And so this half-finished and yet still 888-page report was submitted to President Johnson on September 24th and released to the public four days later against the wishes of Earl Warren. Because Warren said, oh man, it's too expensive. We can't put that out. So he was a publisher? He, he put on his book publisher cap? Cut to fucking Coast to Coast at AM. I was listening to some of their JFK assassination specials, and one was the beginning of this guy. He was like, we have repackaged the Warren Commission, and now we're selling it in incredible Corinthian-bound leather. Hand autographed by Gerald Ford, which is true. They were selling limited edition copies oh of the God. Warren Commissions as, as commemorative gifts for people to have at home with Gerald Ford being like, we got him. Like, just like... On the inside. Wow. Save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Save big on Menards' great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in-store or online at Menards.com. Save big. Legend has it, underneath the NJM insurance offices lies a room of rejected mascot memorabilia. Is it real? No one knows. But we do know NJM is proud to put policyholders first. No jingles or mascots, just great insurance. NJM. If there's anything better than getting a few of your favorite things from McDonald's, it's getting a few of your favorite things from McDonald's for less in the McDonald's app. Delicious. Order in the McDonald's app today. Right now, only in the app. Enjoy a breakfast sandwich for just $1, like a sausage McMuffin with egg. Offer valid one time per day from 429 to 512 at participating McDonald's. Must opt into rewards. Well, soon after the Warren Report was released, the conspiracy theory started coming hard and fast. Two years after it was published, Rush to Judgment by Mark Lane, Mark Lane being the guy who was briefly Oswald's lawyer, pointed out the numerous inconsistencies in the report. If you watch that original documentary, Rush to Judgment, from the 60s, it's a really fun time capsule of very, very early conspiracy theory. Mm. And it just lays out all of the first 
layers of JFK conspiracy theories about like uh, more than one shot, the weird autopsy bullshit that went on, like all of the different discrepancies after the fact and all of the witness testimony saying, I heard a shot from the grassy knoll. Yeah. So I wonder how much television played a role in spreading the conspiracy theory. Do you think that they thought because they t- TV was new media? There was back Do and you forth. feel like they really thought, though, that they could just control print and control radio and no one else would really care? There are two ways to look about it. There's two ways to think about it. One is, it seemed to be there were a lot of true investigative journalism happening at the time. There were people trying to, there was a little bit more of a naive sense of, we serve the common good as media members. We're trying to make sure, you know, people, we are a public resource and we need to be responsible. Back when the fourth estate was uh, a little bit less biased. Mm -hmm. Yes. But if you look at the history of Alan Dulles, you see that Alan Dulles had a running conversation with members of the the heads of CBS, the uh, heads of NBC, where he straight up, they used to call him, I think the term was, they used to call him Allie was their nickname for him. He had, he was like super friendly with them that he would go and he would, they would have dinners together and he'd give them gifts and you have all kind of stuff. So he had a, a little bit of a, a finger Ugh. inside of the media as well. That's such a cute way of saying bribery. Good <laughs> Lord. Well, Rush to Judgment did not point a finger at anyone in particular, but its open-ended nature opened the floodgates for a conspiracy cottage industry that is obviously still going strong to this day. Stronger than ever, perhaps. What's dangerous about all this, though, is that many of the people who wrote books in the early days dealt almost exclusively in speculation in order to fill in the blanks that were made by the Warren Report. And that speculation was cited by the books that came after, and the books that came after those. And this speculation was cited so many times that it is now, to some people, fact. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing about this is that with the 2,000 books about the JFK assassination came 2,000 theories as to what exactly happened and who was responsible for the death of the president. It's truly not an exaggeration. When you look at each one of these books, they have a whole other proprietary version of their capital C conspiracy story, which what here at Last Podcast on the Left, a part of what we've been doing over the last month is research into how do we fit some of these conspiracy theories into what we quote unquote know about the hard facts about Lee Harvey Oswald and what happened that day and Jack Ruby, all that kind of shit. So now what we're trying to do is weave a tale of the many conspiracy theories that sort of hold weight now after we have the resources that we have in 2020 versus what somebody just wrote in their garage in 1978. But... If you entertain the thought that Lee Harvey Oswald was not solely responsible for the death of the president, the group that had the most to gain from JFK's murder was without a doubt the CIA. Whoa! (laughs) Man, and what a good time. I honestly, of all the times to be maligning the CIA, which nice is that right now I think everybody's very busy, (laughs) so we can really talk trash about it currently because I haven't heard any clicks on my phone. I haven't either. Since we've really started trash and shit and I've been screaming 
in my yeah. house about mm-hmm. the CIA. And no one said anything. Maybe they just listened to the podcast we record now. <laughs> Our main source for the CIA portion of this series is JFK and the Unspeakable, Why He Died and Why It Matters by James W. Douglas, which, when it comes to conspiracy books, is among the more sober and serious of the accounts. I do like that he puts in like why he died and why it matters, because you can just see someone be like, yeah. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, yeah, who cares? What are, you, what are you even talking about? The unspeakable in this case was the concept of nuclear war destroying the whole world. Ah. While Douglas does indeed rehash quite a few debunked conspiracy theories, including the Jim Garrison theory used by Oliver Stone to make the movie JFK totally fucking debunked, the central thesis of this book bears consideration. In Douglas's view... JFK tried reversing the mechanisms and policies of the Cold War that were plunging the United States further and further into conflict. And the military-industrial complex, particularly the CIA, killed him for it. And when you look at the actual facts of JFK's foreign policy, and when you look at just how many conflicts he had with the CIA during his three years as president, and when you look at what the CIA had already done, they are the obvious culprit in the murder. They are one of the more obvious culprits in the murder that I've ever seen in my life. And if you believe it, I've been asleep for three years. Uh-oh. So, what we're going to do here is take you on a bit of a trip through history in order to establish who had the most motive to murder John Fitzgerald Kennedy on November 22nd, 1963. And were you worrying that this quarantine was going to make our series shorter? (laughs) You will be incorrect. It's actually going to make it longer because now we have more time. When we first planned this series, it was we were supposed to be going on tour. So we thought we were going to kind of condense a bunch of bullshit and figure it out and really get to the bottom. But, But now we have plenty of time, folks. And you're locked in with us. Deep in the cockpit. Get your lunch pail ready. Get your Kool-Aid boxes and your peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. We're going on a field trip. Mm -hmm. Now, when JFK came into office, he inherited the Cold War with the Soviet Union from Dwight D. Eisenhower. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But he'd also inherited Eisenhower's final message to the American people. Beware the military-industrial complex. If you want to get stoned or not. Uh, you can listen to uh, that speech. This is one of the best presidential speeches of all time. Uh, or watch uh, Fog of War, the documentary oh, about documentary. Uh, Robert McNamara. Yes. It's it's kind of wild to see somebody be presidential. Yeah. When you see Dwight Eisenhower make that speech, you're like trying to be responsible, you know, and everybody's sitting and nodding and, right. and saying like, oh, you learned something from being president. And, yeah. you know, Dwight Eisenhower didn't go on to make a podcast or... Or you know, make a bunch of Netflix shows. He actually, uh, he actually was like a president. You know, I, mean, yeah. I wonder what that's like. You know, well, it was very interesting because, of course, he was a general, and it's it's ironic that he was the one who warned against the military-industrial complex, and it get, definitely makes me feel like he knew what the hell he was talking about. He absolutely knew what he was talking about, and it really was. It, it's nice to watch the speech because, like, you watch it and you're like, oh, look at that. He cares about me. Like, did I not, oh, did I not get dumber when I listened to the president speak? Oh my god, that's like, unbelievable! Well, it's like he almost like Fuck cares you. about. He cares about Americans. Don't you fucking care about me? I don't need you to care about me. I I can take care of me. I never felt anything before. I don't need it. 
Well, what we're talking about here, in case you've never seen it, all the way back in the late 50s, Eisenhower saw that there was a lot of money to be made in war, particularly in the Cold War. And if America let the war industry drive our foreign policy, then we, as a country, would not survive it. And this is not something that he told to one of his advisors or anything. This was a televised address to the country warning about this shit. But money was only half of the equation here. The other half was power. And no organization amassed more power in the Cold War than America's own CIA. First, let's get into why the CIA was so powerful. Because even though the CIA, like we said in episode one, were and are not omniscient beings of unlimited power, they still were and are highly fucking dangerous. Mm -hmm. Especially at this time period. Because... Hinting at what I was talking about with Alan Dulles. I said, again, we try not to address the concept or talk about the capital I Illuminati as this, as if it's a thing that is on the books real, right? Objective reality real. But Alan Dulles came from family connections, much like a lot of people within this small sphere. The original group that started the OSS, his little group that it literally was a group that used to hang out. They, their think tank became the CIA. They intermarried. They had kids. They went to the same schools. They were family lines that were running the backdoor channels of our country now to this point. So JFK just gets handed this shit mm-hmm. where Dwight Eisenhower I honestly think at some point he held sway over them because he was a military man he fought hard in World War II they respected him JFK young dumb full cum one of these little progressive dudes that comes in there it. it seemed like he was drained pretty regularly yes but you got a new guy coming in there this is some this is some new old blood Uh-oh. because he also comes from old blood old fucking rich money but he's trying to shake it up in Alicia Silverstone from clueless fashion Aww. in a way that made them very upset and when the CIA was created they worked off a concept called plausible deniability What this meant was that the CIA was allowed to violate international law without asking for permission, because if the people in charge didn't quote-unquote know what was going on, they couldn't be held responsible for what the CIA was doing. Mm -hmm. In theory, the CIA would predict what the president was thinking and act solely in service of the president's foreign policy. But very quickly, the CIA decided that they knew what was best. And they acted according to their own beliefs, their own policies, and their own interests. Mm. This is not conspiracy. This is history. Absolutely. This is the way they viewed it. Alan Dulles spoke openly about this, being essentially like, we're the real, we're the safety net. You guys all play with your politics, and you guys, you vote for fucking president. (laughs) But we're the ones really getting shit done. Stuff like making sure that they don't privatize a bunch of fruit companies in Guatemala and flipping that whole government for capitalist reasons or flipping governments in Africa because you believe that you're going to put together a more stable government for these places that can more easily communicate with the United States of America. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, then they go on to commit massive human rights violations after the fact. But they're our human rights violations, so it works. <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, look at Mugabe for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous what the CIA has done over international. But didn't the CIA... Uh, 
when it comes to World War II, that's where they got their power, right? Because weren't they? Were no, very, they they were uh, they were uh, put together by Truman in forty seven. In so forty seven, after so it was, right it was after OS, it was OSS during World War Two. Okay. So yeah, it was they were put together after World War Two. Well, in order to grease the wheels of whatever scheme they had going, the CIA installed agents throughout the entire government, and these people answered not to the president, but to CIA director Alan Dulles. Now, Alan Dulles's pet project in the early 60s was the Bay of Pigs invasion. To refresh your memory, this plan involved Cuban exiles invading Cuba in an attempt to overthrow Fidel Castro, and this invasion was funded and coordinated by the CIA. Now, what the CIA was ultimately trying to do here was bait John F. Kennedy into committing to full American engagement, because if JFK didn't provide military air support, the mission was going to fail. But Kennedy called their bluff, all in the face of international embarrassment, and he totally refused to do it. Not going to fucking commit troops, not going to commit air support. No. The invasion did indeed fail on multiple levels. After the Bay of Pigs, Kennedy said that he wanted to splinter the CIA into a thousand pieces and scatter it to the winds, because he thought there's no way these guys should have this much power. These guys have so much power that they are planning invasions right. of other fucking countries and trying to bring me in on it and trying to force my foreign policy. So he's like, I'm going to get rid of these assholes. Well, they originally came in with a plan, a proposed plan of like, they were just going to drop in in a major city in Cuba and start going. The idea is that we've already started to send little foot soldiers building grassroots armies inside the fringes of the Cuban government. And then what we're going to do is we're going to show up real close to the capital and you guys are going to come in Four days of fucking sheet bombing. We're going to get a pew, 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 pew. <laughs> I got a couple Cuba guys. We're going to be soaking cigars. And JFK is listening there. I mean, like, it's like, get out of my office. As soon as they started saying this shit, because he was like, I'm not fully committing. So we halfway committed. He's like, okay, actually switch it over to the Bay of Pigs. It's farther away. I'll give you like two days of air support. And then he tried to halfway do it. But they're like, yeah, but if we do it anyway, JFK will see the error of his ways. And then as soon as they landed on the beach and blew up a marina in Cuba and the whole world was like, uh, America's invading Cuba. He then just stopped. He was like, no, 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 I'm not going to be involved in this shit. And mm -hmm. then a bunch of CIA guys guys, A bunch of CIA guys died. Mm -hmm. Well, Kennedy began by firing CIA director Alan Dulles and all other top-level operatives involved in the planning of the invasion. Then he reduced their power by taking military-type operations out of the CIA's hands and giving it to the Joint Chiefs of Staff, who were from then on, for better or worse, his principal military advisors. Finally, JFK moved to cut the CIA budget in 1962 and again in 1963, aiming for an eventual 20% reduction in their budget by 1966. And really, the CIA was actually even dirtier than JFK knew. In a 1975 Senate hearing on U.S. intelligence operations, CIA officials admitted that they had contacted mobsters John Rosselli, Sam Giancana, and Santos Traficante to offer them $150,000 to assassinate Castro while Eisenhower was president. Keep those names in your brain because they're going to come up over the next couple of episodes as mm -hmm. people that might have been on Dallas in November, I guess on vacation or something. I don't know what oh, they were doing. Yeah. And they're such easy names to remember. We got Pace Picanto. We got uh, jo Johnny Roy. Who was the other one? 
Well, by the time JFK got into office, he felt even more pressure for the intelligence community to have Castro killed. But Kennedy was reportedly opposed to it on the grounds that the United States shouldn't carry out political assassinations. What? Even though it, it has been in the CIA manual since the very beginning. Talk about a fun little excursion for yourself. Google CIA assassination manuals, and it's kind of fun. Like, I have several tabs of them open. I'm talking about, like, crushing windpipes, but mostly what they say is stuff like make it look like an accident. Yeah. And that's why when they were working for those fruit companies in Guatemala, they would get a lot of rotten fruit. Because yep. you can make a lot of things slippery with all different types of fruit. Absolutely. Why? Where are all the peels to these bananas? <laughs> now, getting into the deep conspiracy world for just a bit when it comes to Castro's assassination, let's talk about Operation 40. <laughs> 40 beers in 40 days? Can you do it? Was that the Papa John's Operation 40? 40 pizzas, 30 days? No, it's 40 Cubans with 40 bullets. Oh, okay. Supposedly, Operation 40 was made up of 40 Cuban exiles outside of the Bay of Pigs invasion. And these guys were all involved in anti-Castro operations, including the assassination of Fidel Castro. Operation 40 is real. They did, it is on the books. They created it as a part of these strike teams, essentially these g groups of militants, which they recruited by saying, hey, we're going to go do some dirty shit in Cuba and we're going to get this done the real way and w what they did was they trained all these guys in florida doing all this kind of bullshit and then they were ready to released but then they had nowhere to go release according to conspiracy theorists this group was recruited and run by george hw bush mm. and this is not ridiculous because george hw nope. bush was a cia agent he eventually yeah. ran the CIA. Get in the head of the damn thing. Yeah. There's a memo that lists George Bush as the creator of Operation 40, and his job was he would get money. That His job was to connect money to Operation 40 and essentially be, I'm not, I don't know if the term comptroller is correct, but it, he was like the money guy for Operation 40. Um, and when this memo was released, George Bush, in 1992, he said, that was some other George Bush. Yeah. Just been like, I, I don't think so, though. Oh, my God. So I don't think so. We're right back in the bush. I thought yeah. we were in the uterus. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but you guys are totally losing sight here, and I can't even believe you're saying this about George H.W. Bush. He jumps out of a plane every single birthday. He did anyway, <laughs> and I think that was amazing. Well, he supposedly did this in conjunction with a Texas oil magnate named Jack Crichton. If you really want to know just how confusing all this shit gets, take a listen to the deathbed confession of former CIA agent and Watergate plumber E. Howard Hunt. Guys, I really wish you would stop calling my bed the deathbed. I am 40 <laughs> years old. I feel pretty healthy. This confession concerning Operation 40 is unfortunately paired with uh, some highly distracting conspiracy video music. So just try to cut through that dumb bullshit that all of these assholes do for some reason or another. Try to cut through it and try to really listen to it and see if you can still figure out what the fuck this old man is talking about. All right. Spurs and Morales and uh, people of that uh, ilk stayed in uh, apartment houses uh, during preparations for uh, the big event. Uh, their addresses were very... Uh, a subject to change so that uh, where a fellow like uh, Morales had been one day, you would not necessarily 
associated with that same address the following day. In short, it was a very mobile uh, experience. Let me point out at this point that if I had wanted to uh, fictionalize uh, what went on in Miami and elsewhere during the run-up for the big event, I would have done so. But uh, I don't want any uh, unreality to tinge this particular uh, story or the information, I should say. I was a bench warmer on it, and uh, I had a reputation for honesty. I first of all want to talk about the content, but just as a uh, just as a producer's note. Let me tell you something, it'll be dating, sir. Oh, yeah, down the store at me. I wanted to get milk. Yeah, you see, you know, yeah. he tried to sell me white orange juice. Uh, yeah, I said, this is not milk, it's white orange juice. Uh, the big event, I was a bench warmer. Yeah, I really, I, I'm loving the dialogue here, but uh, what if we add some more sound to it? <laughs> so let's try to edit that in our brains what was he talking about there he was talking about operation 40 operatives living in apartments in miami florida in the lead-up to the assassination of jfk uh, ostensibly because okay. he doesn't ever actually say this was the this was the uh fucking assassination of jfk he just keeps calling saying things like the big event and the thing big that event. happened right yeah down there in apartments in miami because he kept calling him miami which Damn. is a very different way of saying Miami. <laughs> they, There's a town in Texas called Miami. It's fine. If you believe a one of these conspiracy theory lines that there was an attempted possible right-wing hit for JFK in Miami that involved some people from Operation 40. Operation 40 then moved operations to Dallas. E. Howard Hunt, if you do believe him, he was one of the, I want to say one of the burglars. He was. For the Watergate scandal. So but he they don't know. He was some form of CIA asset. That's what they said he was. No clue who he was. But very often, E. Howard Hunt is named as one of the three tramps. The three tramps or three homeless people that were picked up an hour after the assassination in Dallas that have been named several times as several different triptychs of spooks that mm. existed at the time. Different JFK characters. And we will cover them more specifically next episode. But I, if they were really indeed three tramps I do imagine that each one would sound like I was going to cast a bunch once but instead I caught AIDS so is it possible the CIA did have undercover people dressed as homeless people obviously that's something they would do just in defense of JFK to make sure that they can overhear I don't know it's not the CIA's job to defend the president Mm. It's the that's not that's the Secret Service's job. It's our job to kill the president. <laughs> Scratch that from the record, Scratch would you please? That from the Scratch record, it. Bring up Mr. Sharpie if we could. <laughs> well, the, the conspiracy theory is that Operation Forty was redirected from their mission to kill Castro to a mission to kill Kennedy instead, because these were off the books guys. These were not CIA agents. These were CIA assets. These were Cuban exiles. Mm. Now, I don't know whether or not this is the truth, because like most conspiracies, this theory is based off testimony, and we have no hard evidence to back it up. All of these are all some dude said, some woman said. Badge man! <laughs> we're going to cover him next week, and I have the names of all 12 assassins that were in Dealey Plaza that day. They each were separate members of both the Mafia, the Dallas PD, CIA Ops, 
and Operation 40, and I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting until I can release those names. I can't wait for the lid to come off of that dome of yours. It's going to be absolutely <laughs> fascinating. Well, that's the thing, is that Operation 40 does at the very least show you that the CIA had the means to murder anyone they might find inconvenient. Unless, of course, if you count Fidel Castro. Uh, they never quite could get him. Well, I mean, they should have made better tasting cigars. That guy is an <laughs> aficionado. Really, the roadrunner to the CIA's Wiley Coyote. So... They just could never get him. Never why couldn't they get him? <laughs> I, that's what I don't understand. Like, why couldn't CIA, they get him? The C in CIA doesn't stand for cancer, which did end up getting him. <laughs> But returning to history, because the United States was so obviously involved in the Bay of Pigs invasion, Fidel Castro snuggled up even closer to the Soviet Union, who was, of course, our big bad enemy in the Cold War. Castro gave the Soviet Union permission to install nuclear weapons on the island, and suddenly the power to destroy America was no longer thousands of miles away in Russia, but was instead only 90 miles from Florida. A standoff between America and the Soviet Union ensued, but cooler heads prevailed, and the premier of the Soviet Union, Nikita Khrushchev, agreed to withdraw missiles from Cuba if Kennedy agreed to withdraw missiles from Turkey. The question is, did that make us safer? It's yeah. possible. It's possible. No, the, the missiles themselves. If you look at like India and Pakistan, as soon as they were at war forever, and then they both got nukes. I'm wondering if the nukes were so close that we had to be like, oh, no, no, no. We have got to de-escalate. But you wonder if they were never there, if that wouldn't have happened. At the time, Khrushchev was straight up saying, I don't care if we all die. Khrushchev was really the the wild card here. He was willing to shoot the weapons. We had weapons that we uh, we already fired them once, right? We already blew up Hiroshima and Nagasaki. We already did it once. We got it out of the system. Sure. So we saw how hard it was and how, you know, even though, however you feel about the end of World War II, I think it's uh, it's obviously a very complicated issue. Yeah. The fact that they had to kill hundreds of thousands of people in one go to do it and could do it in an instant was very scary and we felt the responsibility of that a little bit more acutely than the Soviets. There's a great the do, there's a great documentary, The Man Who Saved the World, mm-hmm. uh, about the man who did not fire the uh, the Soviet nukes. There was a solar flare, and it looked just like we sent a shitload of nukes yes. over to Russia. Yes. And thank God for that man. But to Henry's point, he was ostracized. Yeah, they, instead of being a hero, which he should have been, they he was an alcoholic who went to live with his mother and never was heard from again. Now, Kennedy's military advisors, the concession of taking missiles out of Turkey if the Soviet Union took them out of Cuba, to some of his military advisors, this was on par with appeasing Hitler. What they had wanted to do was strike first and strike hard in the hopes that we would wipe out most of the Soviet Union. Like, this is true Dr. Strangelove shit here. These guys pushed for this fully accepting that millions of Americans would die even under the best conditions of a mutual nuclear exchange, Mm. and fully accepting that, at minimum, 140 million Soviet citizens would die. They're just fine with it. You know, that scene where uh, fucking uh, George C. Scott and Dr. Strangelove is talking about 30, 40 million casualties. Tops, depending on the brakes. Like, that was the exact fucking conversation they were having. Yeah, insane. In fact, even before this, Alan Dulles had brought a plan to JFK outlining procedures for striking first without provocation just to get it over with. Like, let's do it Tuesday. 
Let's get it done. Because right. the what's interesting is that th- this is not the first time they tried to do this. Right after World War II, they also tried to preemptively strike the Soviet Union because they saw as soon as the, all the dust settled that w- that's our next new enemy. It's like we can go in right now. Now that we've already blew up uh, two cities, we can right. blow up Moscow like right now. And it, you know, it, apparently got a lot of pushback. <laughs> well, it's interesting because also the the um, the ramp up of the U.S. nuclear arms, the arms race, the U.S. understood that we could have an arms race and win. Yeah. But the GDP, Russia was spending, or USSR was spending 35% of their GDP on the arms race. So we also know if we don't nuke them, we're going to bankrupt them. And that's why it took it extremely long. But that's the best way to do it. Yeah. Better than nuking them. I mean, the best way to do it is to make peace. And then, uh... <laughs> Marcus. <laughs> oh, Marcus. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> <laughs> Marcus well, yes, is right. Of course. Bankrupting them, uh, of course, turned Russia into what it is now, and it yes. didn't always have to be a... No, a, of course, if human beings weren't human. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Thankfully, though, no missiles were fired, and JFK and Khrushchev began secret talks to make sure nuclear war didn't happen let's do what is it called seven seven seconds in heaven or something like that let's go into the closet and make out they were sending uh secret messages to each other with newspapers oh yeah through their through his brother but it was uh, you know at, at some point he's just like and all i gotta tell you a part of this is i want to see your wife's titties Whoa! Do you i gotta see, see your wife's wife? titties once you- because all i need to see every woman's breasts one time <laughs> Now, this year was probably the CIA's <laughs> biggest problem with John F. Kennedy. They could deal with getting their budget cut. They could deal with plans being foiled. But the one thing they found untenable was peace with the Soviet Union. The CIA wanted victory over the Soviet Union and therefore communism no matter the cost. Now, it could have been that some agents truly did believe communism was an existential threat. But it seems like others had started to take the Cold War Personally, do you think that they almost resented the fact that it was a cold war and not a hot war? That they that they're the last generation got WW two, right? They got the big. Everybody's proud of you. You fought the fucking Nazis. You got the the girls, the USO girls with their their fucking the push up bras, all the pin up kind of shit, all that kind of fun stuff going on. But they have to do this like lame cold war with envelopes. I mean. It could- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really could be because what they were pushing for for years was an actual war. It's not; it doesn't have to be with Russia. It can be with someone vaguely associated with Russia. Let's get a proxy war going. Uh, and they just kept pushing for it and pushing for it. I have a feeling I mean, we'll have some of those. I mean, these guys, their personalities and identities were so wrapped up in winning the Cold War and utterly defeating the Soviets that the idea of a peaceful coexistence was not only unthinkable, but ultimately treasonous it's not american (laughs) it was downright yuck yuck (laughs) as such elements within the military establishment not just the cia kept pushing to kill castro and eventually invade and take over cuba in the quest for victory over the godless soviets This meddling in the affairs of others is not so much different from America's training and arming of forces in Afghanistan in their war against the Soviets in the 80s, which, of course, gave power and prestige to Osama bin Laden, which eventually led to 9-11. Oh, I totally forgot about <laughs> oh, that. Oh, shit, I, 9-11. I, I, told, 9/11. I was Whoa, thinking, I was like, 7-11's right. a store. What is <laughs> 9-11? Wow. But honestly, but in a way, shouldn't we kind of be proud of how well we trained Osama bin Laden? <laughs> We train him Pushed so him good. Push those Ruskies right back. And speaking of 
In March of 1962, the Pentagon proposed a plan to Kennedy that has been the source of a thousand conspiracy theories outside of the assassination of John F. Kennedy, particularly in the 9-11 inside job world. Mm. That plan was Operation Northwoods. In March of 1962, the Defense Department and the Joint Chiefs of Staff proposed a plan for a false flag operation that had the purpose of starting a war with Cuba. Again, the whole point is, we will force us into a war. Kind of like what mm. we talk about with serial killers, about building the validation points. Like mm. building, make it so that you, oh, well, now I have to kill. They mm. wanted to put us in a position where now we definitely will fight a war. Mm-hmm. Mm. For starters... They would coordinate a phony attack on the military base at Guantanamo Bay in Cuba to make it appear as if the Cubans were moving against America aggressively. How do you know the Cubans did it? Empanadas were everywhere. <laughs> They're everywhere. Look everywhere. at these croquetas. This is incredible. They left all these, mm, all these delicious croquetas and maduros. Mm, how could they ever leave these? In mm. this, they would start rumors using radio broadcasts, capture fake saboteurs on the base who were really friendly exiles start riots using those same friendlies outside of the base main gate blow up ammunition inside the base and lob mortar shells into the base from outside and that's just for starters that's easy boom 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 you get the guy he's doing the thing i'll call up my buddy he's gonna go down there and he's gonna do this and boom 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 that's it so this is the this is the artichoke dip before the main <laughs> yeah between before the main uh entree After that, they would blow up a ship in Guantanamo Bay and blame Cuba, citing the destruction of the USS Maine in 1889, which led to the Spanish-American War, as proof that this would be enough to push the public toward accepting the conflict. Did they point to Pearl Harbor at all? Because there's some people that also believe the U.S. kind of had a hand in that. This is them. uh, This is their pitch. Right, they're right. in a pitch room, pitching right, this. Right. Like, and and I imagine that the joint chiefs of staff have the same faces of all of the people I have pitched at, <laughs> oh, yeah. where they are just like glancing at the clock, like their phones are turned over, but yeah. like they're buzzing, like they're they're literally dancing on the phone with notification. They're dancing no, on the what? table with notifications. There's nothing like us three extremely not Hollywood looking guys walking into a pitch room, and I I'm happy that they have to work for an hour. <laughs> Just to even pretend to care about what we're talking about. Finally, they proposed the development of a communist Cuban terror campaign in Miami and various other Florida cities, wherein they would just plain murder Cuban refugee communities with bombs and blame it on Cuban communists. This was an actual plan that they had. This is what they wanted to do. This is on the books, y'all. This was a Pentagon plan. It's a tale as old as time as well. I mean, this is on the books. And if you listen to this story, right, you heard the A's elements. These little, you know, the idea of sending in saboteurs as pro-Castros. They'll flip. You're going to do all this kind of stuff. Uh, you wonder what happens after JFK is assassinated and why it seems like uh, they did a bunch of shit that sounds like a thing that they were already planning to do without the president's permission. They think they said, maybe maybe we can, uh, let's just try to pitch and see what happens. We'll throw some noodles against the wall, see what works. And um, when JFK was like, no, uh, they then kept all that stuff. And they're like, we won't, we'll save these jokes for later on. <laughs> it is interesting. I mean, even if the CIA did not kill Kennedy, I do think they had a vested interest in not having people do any research into them. Mm-hmm. So yep. maybe it was just to cover up all this stuff. Maybe. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. 
Well, JFK thankfully said, are you fucking nuts? Of course I'm not going to do that. Are you fucking nuts? <laughs> are you great. fucking crazy? Why, why are you a fucking nuts? I tell you what, if you had caught me before I came this morning, I might have listened to you, but now <laughs> thankfully I'm sane. We can thank Marilyn Monroe for American peace. Instead, he continued his talks with Nikita Khrushchev to try and de-escalate tensions between the two countries even further. Now, this next part may not be true. This might just be a little bit of wishful thinking. But Khrushchev's son said that his father and JFK were getting along so well that a week before Kennedy's death, they had begun plans to go to the moon together in a joint lunar mission between America and the Soviet Union. Not not Kennedy and Khrushchev literally together in a fucking yeah, capsule this... and flying up there. But, the, you know, both space programs. The Secret Service might have had a problem with the president <laughs> just going like he's, you know, hey in some there, kind of movie. Nikki, do you think it would be legal for you and I to kiss on the moon? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's actually evidence to back this up. About two weeks before his death, JFK issued a memo ordering NASA to broadly participate with the USSR in outer space, including cooperation and lunar landing programs. So there's some there's evidence yeah. to back it up that this is prob this might have happened. It could have been cool. But it wasn't just the military and intelligence communities that JFK was pissing off. In April of 1962, he drew the ire of the business side of the military industrial complex by forcing the steel industry to rescind on a price increase. When they at first refused, JFK started canceling defense contracts and had a whole set of industry-wide tax audits ready to go. So Big Steel eventually surrendered. Like, it, is this a mafia tie with Big Steel? Is there, this is just plain old business? That's just plain this old plain business. old big okay. old business. Another but, you want to talk about American mafia? There's also Executive Order eleven thousand one hundred and ten, where JFK he amended the he he delegated the Secretary of the Treasury he the president's authority to issue silver certificates. So he was fucking essentially with the Federal Reserve as well. Like they say there's a lot of people that say he was, this was kind of perfunctory act, but it shows there's another weird, if you look up executive order one, 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 zero, right? (laughs) If you look it up, you'll see that he also might've rankled some of our own purebred American gangsters, the federal reserve. And that's another enemy. And I'm yeah. just so happy we have checks and balances. So the president doesn't have too much power. What was the what was the number on that executive order again? <laughs> and with this, JFK had pissed off the CIA, uh-huh. the Pentagon, all right, and big business. And what got all three of them pissed off at the same time was Vietnam. Viet fucking nah! And and that'll piss off the American people right there. Yeah, it made my uncle real upset. Yeah, buddy. (laughs) Now, to say the least, the history of the Vietnam War, even just the beginning of it, is wildly complicated and far too much to go into without having a full Vietnam series, which I want to do eventually. So, we're just going to give a few broad strokes. Now, the CIA had been in Vietnam pulling strings since the 50s when it became obvious that communist elements were gaining footholds amongst the people. See, the war in Vietnam began as a civil war that had fuck all to do with America. But the CIA and the Pentagon believed that if the communist sympathizing North Vietnamese forces won, the entire region would fall under the influence of international communism. Not if, the case. If communism is as bad as they say it is, and I believe that it is uh, not 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 a good way of governance, but it would have failed on its own. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. if you if if you really are that scared of it, just let it play out. But also, just in or if it works for him, 
Let it fucking work for him. Oh, whatever. Who gives Leave a shit? I agree. I agree. I, I'm, I'm one of those where it's like, let it work for him if it's going to work. It's just, why are we got to do it? Why well, did the CIA got to do it? Well, they didn't understand what was going on in Vietnam. They didn't understand the internal politics of Vietnam. They looked at everything with such a fucking wide scope that they did not see what was actually going on in that yeah. country. Just like we didn't see what the fuck was going on in Iraq. You know, it's the same shit over and over and over again. We're still getting Iraq wrong. Fucking 20 years after the invasion. And in the US, we still got a lot of goodwill worldwide cuz W2, we're ca- we're definitely capitalizing on that. Mhm. But JFK saw things differently. Although he did commit to a fair amount of military advisors at first, quote-unquote military advisors, it soon became obvious that these advisors were fighting and dying for the South Vietnamese government. Besides, the South Vietnamese government didn't even want the CIA there, because the CIA had already embedded themselves in half of Vietnam's 41 provinces in the early 60s. They're just the drug dealer that stays at your house. <laughs> yes. It's like, thank you, CIA, you've given us the drugs. Get, go, don't you have anything else to do? The thing is, is that I'm also making love to your girlfriend, and I'm also your girlfriend. Oh, no kidding. So, the CIA had to make that government go away. Shit was already shaky between the South Vietnamese government and its people. So the CIA, by the later admission of the agent who did it, planted a bomb killing dozens that triggered a coup. It's like the movie Hairspray when uh, when the bomb is planted in the woman's hair. Yeah. And it was a coup. Yeah, man. Remember that? It was a dance-off. <laughs> yeah, Kissel, it's just like that. <laughs> I mean, I just oversimplified a lot of shit. Oh, my God. Like, of course. It's Vietnam. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dude, we got to get through the series. We get cited we get, on research papers all the time. This is not to be cited for your Vietnam paper. No, absolutely not. No, it's uh, especially all this shit with the Diem brothers. And like, yeah, you do want do you want to go into French colonialism? I but don't. Guys, not right now. I know you guys not choose today. the subject for the show, but can I just say this? And this is maybe a side for Henry. Oh, Henry, can we not ruin Marcus's brain anytime soon with Vietnam? Can we just <laughs> give him like at least like I, I'm saying like a year? <laughs> I told him it's okay if we do Vietnam if he listens to a lot of Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young because it calms him. <laughs> All right, good compromise. I'm gonna get my Milai episode eventually. Oh, I'm no, gonna get we'll it. do it. No, we'll I do know. It. I know that. <gasps> Well, the CIA had promised to fly the South Vietnamese president out of the country in the event of a coup, but the CIA had no intention of doing so. They kept pushing it back, saying, up, oh, gonna be another 24 hours, up, oh, gonna be another 24 hours. Just hold tight, stay where you are, where the people can find you. It's like Dumb and Dumber when she doesn't show up for the date. She's like, must have been 10 a.m. Must have been 10 a.m. <laughs> Well, so President Ngo Dinh Diem and his brother were tied up, shot in the back of the head, and stabbed in the chest. This occurred 21 days before Kennedy himself was killed. Oh my God, that is really interesting. Yeah. No, so they've already done it. They're already right. doing it. It's right. our, yeah, it's our, the, the mechanisms are already in place. Right, right. And Kennedy is actually, and he's saying like, what the fuck are you guys doing? And the CIA is, is doing other weird shit too. Like they're fucking with, um, they're fucking with food aid mm-hmm. uh, to South Vietnam. They're trying, they're trying to create a coup. I remember that they also put pizza on a bagel. And I was like, <laughs> who does that? That's crazy. Yeah. But the best part about that is that you can then have pizza at any time. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Well, what what they were trying to do is they were trying to replace the South Vietnamese government with a military general. Like they were, tra- it was a military yeah. coup that was backed by the CIA. Yeah. That was there. That was in line with the CIA's interests. And if you don't think that happens today, we got Libya. Those farmers that all of a sudden had amazing guns yeah. to get rid of Gaddafi. Mm-hmm. Yep. This stuff is 
currently happening right now. Yeah. And while the fucking CIA was doing that, Kennedy was telling Senator George Smathers. <laughs> <laughs> they elected me because I had jelly on my face. <laughs> <laughs> he was and tell- I knew that I would be the best senator because I give <laughs> the best hugs. Oh, that is nice. <laughs> Kennedy was telling Smathers, I got to do something about them bastards in the CIA. Why don't we give them a balloon, Jack? Because <laughs> nobody can frown that they have a balloon. Man, you are oh, I tell you what, Representative Smathers, if you were, if you had a pair of breasts, oh, I would put you in my ledger. This JFK scratching his crotch, be like, there was a lot of jelly on that guy's face. <laughs> I just want to make the president smile. <laughs> now, this isn't to say that Kennedy didn't succumb to certain pressures. He did approve of a CIA program of sabotage and harassment in Cuba. And he did publicly say at one point during an interview with Walter Cronkite that withdrawing from Vietnam would be a mistake. Like, he did, he was not perfect in any way whatsoever when it came to his foreign policy. He made Wait. a lot of fuck-ups. He was waffling. He didn't know what the hell to do just then because this, this whole thing had been kicked off. He was going to try to rein it in and try to figure out what to do, I guess. That was like at least one of his intended goals, what he said he was going to do. But who knows what the fuck he was going to do because it sounds like Vietnam... Might have been a really complicated situation. Yeah. yeah. But in October of 1963, Kennedy issued a directive that called for the official withdrawal of 1,000 military personnel from Vietnam by the end of 1963, and the total withdrawal of American forces by 1965. And some claim that this was the final straw that got John F. Kennedy killed. Could have saved about hundreds of thousands of lives. Oh, millions. It's unbelievable. 58,000 Americans, over a million um, oh Vietnamese civilians, not to mention Man, Cambodian Man, we killed Laos. a lot of Vietnamese. Yeah. Yeah, we sure did. Well, didn't they call them the, the racial slur? Yeah. The, the zipper slur? Yeah. Um, because they would run over them so much. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. They're, they're, Jesus Christ. It was really fucking awful. Yeah. Um, uh, but days after Kennedy's death, LBJ rescinded that withdrawal order. And hmm. began increasing troops. It's like opposite day here at the White House. <laughs> the Pentagon and the CIA finally got their proxy war with the Soviets. And big business reaped profits in the billions off the Vietnam War over the coming decade. Enjoy and, your cleaning supplies. I mean, just as if we're just looking at hard numbers here, uh, America, we uh, lost o- a little over 58,000 lives. Uh, I don't even know how many uh i don't know even know how many wounded uh we have but i do know that the cost of the vietnam war itself along with how much money we've spent taking care of the veterans of the vietnam war which of course we should marcus we don't take care of the veterans (laughs) we're saving money on top of money we give Um, them an opportunity to take care of themselves (laughs) and i don't even know if this is uh, adjusted for inflation um 900 billion how much oh. Vietnam cost us? That's wow. it, that's I mean, just, just that's just mon- that's monetarily and you know and also how many lives it cost. Not to mention what it did to the si- not to mention what it did to the psyche uh, of this country. How much it tore us it apart. Generation, yeah, ruined a fuck. I mean, it, that there's so many things that Vietnam did to absolutely fucking destroy this country. Uh, this country and. It starts here. You got people spitting on the soldiers who are victims in the whole thing. I mean, it's just it is just horrible. It's really, no, it's very very bad. Can you very, imagine? Very, if, very bad. Can you imagine if we were drafted, us three? <sighs> I I wonder how long it would take for us to either get shot by our own troops, <laughs> or just to oh, get immediately no. we'd murdered. We'd be the funny ones. We'd be essential for morale. 
Oh, I hope. I swear to God, I hope I could do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe I could that's be the like, only thing. Ryan- that's the that's my purpose. That's my yeah. only purpose. I could be like Robin Williams. I'd be like. Good good afternoon. I'm doing drive time live. You guys ready to get the lead out? And they're like, I was just shot actually. I'd love to get the lead out of my leg. This yeah, is my yeah, music. we'll tell you. Now this is called this is a little game a little segment we call War of Roses, where we <laughs> prank somebody at work. Those are all actors, by the way. Yeah. Yep. So even if the president's enemies were not responsible for his death, the bad guys still won. And we're all still dealing with the consequences today. Yeah. But now that we've established the why. Join us next week, and possibly the week after. Possibly, fu- fucking, fucking possibly. For the how on oh JFK Part 6. All right. Because we have yet to get to. We got Opera 40, full fucking fledged. They're in there. We got Badge Man. Three fucking tramps I just around. God to, knows I what want they're you doing. to cover Badge Man, so he, I can tell he's in your brain as like a little Badge character Man. right now, <laughs> and he has got to get out. We got that guy. We got the mafia. Oh. We don't know where they're fucking going to show up. They might be fucking everywhere. We not. We don't even know, which is kind of thing because you think you'd see a mafia guy going with. The, you see, you think you'd hear a mafia guy coming with all his chains no. and the grunts from just having a bunch of mozzarella at fucking lunch. But the chains are offset by the silence of velour. <laughs> Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> the descent into the conspiracy world of JFK. Thank you all so much for listening to JFK Part 5. And we are, uh, again, we are going to get through everything together. Hope everyone is safe out there. Mm-hmm. Hope you're enjoying the uh, content the best. We're just trying to provide you a little bit of relief, and we hope that we are uh, achieving that goal. Also, we've been getting a lot of messages. I know it's a world of madness out there regarding our tour in April. And unfortunately, we do have to postpone the tour. It will be rescheduled for later this year uh, all of your tickets are still valid uh, thank you all so much for all of the DMs talking about how uh, you're excited for the tour and I know there's been a lot of questions so just to clear that up the tour will happen just be p- postponed and it's nice because then you have something to look forward to yeah and you got something to live for um, so we are super <laughs> I, I excited I hope this is not the only reason why no, you're no, but it's <laughs> always nice to have something to do in the future and we cannot wait to see you all on the road and, uh, and we're figuring out yes. the book bullshit yes obviously this is um i'm gonna say a bit of a clusterfuck uh-huh, that uh-huh. we're in the middle of i think that's a, a good clinical way of, of talking about it i think and so. so we have a, people you guys are asking a lot of very good questions totally valid <laughs> really really good questions <laughs> yeah. about where will the books be how are you gonna get the books we're working on that we're figuring that out apparently the book industry is a hundreds year old industry yeah. that we have to figure out how to apply into modern times. A really good way to do it is that if you have not pre-ordered the book yet and you really want to or you want to make sure you get the book, go to IndieBound, which is a website there where you can find your local independent bookstore and support them because this is a really really important time yes. to help people that have mom and pop industries mom and pop businesses because they got they need our support we got to keep our bookstores open yes indeed indie bound mm-hmm. go there please absolutely yeah and, and just know guys that you know we're as soon as we know something we'll let you know something too but we yeah. know we just we just ask for patience uh in this trying time and yeah. you know and, and honestly you know instead of worrying about the tour and all that shit just worry about keeping yourself safe right now keep and keeping your keeping yourself safe and keeping yourself healthy yes. and that's with, what really matters and with that said uh we are going to provide you more entertainment marcus yeah uh, you're working on something with this what this what's this twitch thing i heard about <laughs> yeah i'm going to start doing uh regular twitch streams uh on the last podcast network uh twitch 
channel. Uh, started doing them on uh, Wednesday. It was really fun. A lot of people came out and watched me uh, play Dark Souls. Uh, so yeah, I might continue the Dark Souls game. I might continue. I might go on a Castlevania Symphony of the Night Ooh, run. Like I don't know. Like yeah. But, but yeah, I'm gonna be going on and playing a few days a week. And I'm also uh, planning on doing uh, just some reading uh, to keep people company. Uh, like I think I'm gonna read In Cold Blood uh, out loud, which is my favorite book. And hopefully this will keep people company because uh, I know a lot of you are very lonely right now. You're stuck inside. Shout out! Shout outs to the extroverts. This is not <laughs> yeah, our time. Help us. This is not easy. Help for us. us! I miss bars. Yeah. I miss and restaurants I miss so fucking much. Yeah. But it, but uh, I know there's there's a lot of people lonely and a lot of people inside. As you should be right now. You should be hunkering down and you should be staying inside and, and not socializing right now. But if you're having a hard time with it, let's. I, I hope that maybe we can help you uh, feel like you're hanging out with someone. So absolutely. go to uh, Twitch.tv uh, and check out uh, the last podcast network channel. And we're, we don't have like a set schedule just yet. Just know that this is coming. If you subscribe to it, you'll get a notification for every time we uh, do a broadcast. Uh, but yeah, we're 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 hoping to to be there for you much much as we can. There's not a hell of a whole lot we can do as nope. entertainers, but shit, we can do this. Well, we can sing. Imagine there's no uh, whatever. We could be like the, <laughs> oh the wealthy God. people for my oh, fucking fuck my our secluded <laughs> mansions. I think you need a secluded mansion first before you can start joining in on that song. Uh, I'm also gonna be twitching on there. It'll be a lot of fun. Got good pud. Oh, Patreon yeah. only. I did this episode with Natalie Jean. You listen Woo. to us, uh, me and my beautiful wife. Listen to us struggle eating uh, sugar-free Jello pudding. Um, but man, we're gonna stay alive. We're gonna be doing this as hard as possible Absolutely. because we just are getting to the really juicy stuff. And I'll, in JFK, and of course, we're just getting to it. It's only took eleven hours. No, yeah, <laughs> but we are literally about to get to the to the stuff that really makes you a terrible human being. And I think that this is an important time for our quarantined individuals to start really start thinking about who benefits. All right, well, don't, really, don't destroy your very, family. Very also, watch, watch Frozen or something every now and again, too. Uh, and you can find me on OnlyFans. This week, I'm going to make a watermelon disappear. Don't ask. Uh, hail yourselves, everyone. Hail Satan. Again. Magustalations. Hail Satan, thank you for your gifts, keeping us safe. And hail me. Absolutely. If you can. Hail yourselves. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Do you know someone struggling to figure out their mental health benefits? The Mental Health Insurance Assistance Office is here to help. Find us at insurance.ohio.gov slash G-E-T-M-H-I-A or call us at 855-438-6442. Don't wait. The Mental Health Insurance Assistance Office can help you figure out what mental health insurance benefits may be in their plan. Call us today at 855-438-6442. Welcome back to our studio where we have a special guest with us today, Toucan Sam from Fruit Loops. Toucan Sam, welcome. It's my pleasure to be here. Oh, and um, it's Fruit Loops, just so you know. Uh, fruit? Fruit. Yeah, fruit. No, it's Fruit Loops. The same way you say studio. That's not how we say it. Fruit Loops, find the loopy side. <laughs> 